everyone. Thanks so very much for joining me today. This is Grant Asplin. We're on another episode of Talking Cloud. And, you know, this is where we talk about cloud, everything cloud, cloud security, cloud concerns, issues, implementation, exciting new approaches, gotchas, all the things you really should be thinking about as you start to move your workloads into the public cloud. Now listen, I'm not a know-it-all, but I know where to find them. So not being an expert, I seek out experts to have on the program that can really talk about the issues, the concerns, with really a, a position of authority and knowledge. And we've got a great guest today. So let's just go ahead and jump right in. We hope you'll keep coming back again and again and again. So today... I'm thrilled because, you know, we're going to be talking about a subject that I know is near and dear to everyone's heart as they get really rolling in the cloud, and that's application security and building security into the process uh, that we know as DevOps. And I'm thrilled today to have uh, with me an expert who is just kicking off and starting her own new company. This is the CEO and co-founder of Security Sidekick. I'm thrilled to have her with me today. I have Tanya Janka. Tanya, thank you very much for joining me today. Grant, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. I've heard so many great things about you from Shira and, and some, you know, Marina and some other folks. And so... Uh, I'm thrilled to have you on the program. Why don't you, I'm sure you'll do a much better job than me, take a few minutes and, and just tell our audience about your background. I know you were at Microsoft for a while, and then about your new company that you're kicking off. Um, so the summary of me would be I'm a giant nerd, but <laughs> I'm going to tell you a bit more. Um, basically, uh, I'm a software developer that turned into a penetration tester and then switched into application security. Then I got totally obsessed with DevOps and, you know, as an application security professional, like where do I fit into that? How do I, you know, add value and turn it into DevSecOps? Right. And so I worked for the government for quite a while in Canada. That's where I live. I'm Canadian. That is the accent you are hearing. And then, uh, and then I joined Microsoft because I had started just speaking at conferences and writing white papers and all sorts of other things. And it turns out that's a job. You don't just have to do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What do you know, huh? I know. I had no idea. So um, with Microsoft, I basically toured the world a whole bunch of times, like I literally went around it a few times with them. Um, and then my friend Aaron and I decided to start our own company. Um, I, I tend to look at things from sort of a weird, bigger angle. Like I really want to 
I want to create a big positive difference in this world. And so we talked about how we could do AppSec in a new way. So we are, uh, I guess, in beta phase of our product that is kind of, it's a new type of application security tool. So it's not in the pipeline. Dun, dun, dun. Wow. <laughs> I know. Uh, it everyone sounds kind right of now, exciting. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I don't know how deep I'm allowed to get uh, into the product without being like too producty, if you know what I mean. But sure, sure. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit, Tanya, about the need in the marketplace because it seems, you know, I'm an old guy, right? I always say I don't have a forehead; I've got more head, and I'm on my way to all head. But I remember <laughs> going through these iterations where. Uh, new professions that used to be kind of sealed up to just experts were opened up to the masses. And my examples would be uh, in the early 80s with desktop publishing, you know, everybody could uh, make a menu, make a, a, a flyer, you know, all of a sudden now uh, anybody could do it, right? Music has went through a very similar phenomenon. My son, he's going to be the next Eminem, just ask him. <laughs> you know, he's got it all on his computer downstairs. And now, with the way the cloud has evolved and with containers and, and, and all the rest, serverless, all these, I mean, it's literally like this, this Lego box in the sky where anybody can be a software developer. And it's, so it, it seems like there's definitely some... Uh, tools that are missing to keep those novices on the rails. Are you kind of in that arena? Yeah, a little bit. I, it's very exciting that anyone can be a software developer. It's also very terrifying that anyone can be a software developer. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's probably not nearly as dangerous, but we've all been into the Ma and Pa restaurants where clearly their son or daughter created the menu, and it just is atrocious, and they shouldn't be doing this, right? Uh, and, and I think the same concern is there. Uh, in the world of software development, probably with much more severe consequences, right? Just between a set or a get. Um, definitely, especially when it comes to sensitive data or, you know, handling credit card information, health information, things like that, or systems, um, you know, that people that are actually critical, I know a lot of people feel like, oh, like I sell flowers on the internet and that's critical. But when I think of critical, I think of like a pacemaker right. or I think, of, I think of, you know, like an IOT device, not your fridge, you know, your smart fridge that tells you if you're out of milk. I mean, like IOT devices, for instance, that, um, you know, military things like physical protection things like there's a yeah, I think that a lot of. I think that developers are amazing. I was a developer most of my life. And then now that I've switched to security, I understand all the wrong things I did or how I didn't see things from this new perspective. And uh, I actually am a big fan of threat modeling with like software developers to talk with them and have them understand the risks involved. So, you know, like, oh, well, I just deployed this little app to the cloud. It's no big deal. I'm like, well, it's you know, are you in the same like network area as the rest of your cloud stuff? Because then it should, you know, be behind the firewall or have a network security group around it. Or, you know, did you turn on the monitoring? 
are you forcing HTTPS? Are you just letting people, you know, raid on into your traffic? There's like all these, these different nuances. And um, the thing with, yeah, letting people just do things without any training is that then they do things without any training. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, one of the things that I talk about uh, when I go out and I speak is the acronym that we seem to just, we don't use anymore, RTFM, right? It, and it seems like there's there's not very many manuals anymore, and we just rely on undo. And that, I think, has really caused some dangerous consequences as well, right? You just go in and you start hunting and pecking and pointing and clicking, and you figure you can get out of anything by saying undo, and no one really understands the nuances that are so prevalent in the cloud when compared to on-premise? I think um, there are definitely people that understand. It's just that everyone doesn't understand. And I don't know if it's fair to say that everyone should, if that makes sense. Like, we need to have experts. Like, I think one of the faults that I see with some application security professionals is that they like I've heard people say, well, you know, the developers should do all the threat modeling themselves every time and I shouldn't have to help. And I'm like, oh, are are, are you going to go and do their job for them? Because it sounds like you want them to do your job for you. Right. As like, opposed to working together and finding a way to integrate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or like having the security person lead the security activities or provide or initiate the things like I realize we can't always scale but expecting developers to take on almost 100% of the work for ensuring the software is secure is not going to go very well. Right. I want to ask a question. You know, you talked about you're a developer for a long time, and then mm-hmm. you've kind of moved into that DevSecOps, uh, how do we keep things secure, and you saw the errors of your ways. Take a second, if you can, and just share... Uh, the big rocks that come to your mind on the errors that you made before you became enlightened, so to speak, with the the right way to do things. Okay, so some really obvious things that I used to do uh, way back in the day that everyone in my office did. We would put the connection string right in our code instead of saving it in a secret store. We would even um, put passwords in a comment underneath whatever the field was, just in case we needed them. Mm-hmm. We would encrypt our passwords and put them directly in the database rather than you know hashing and silting them. I'd say like the biggest things though is that we just we didn't even prioritize security at all. For us, security was a cost center. So I would be a, I'd be a tech lead somewhere and we would have a project and they'd say, Oh, you have to add 25k onto your project budget, Tanya, for a pen test at the end. Right. And so we have some dude come in. Um, and I say dude because every single time where I worked, every single time I was a man. Yep. Women do that job too. Anyway, and so every single time, you know, the mostly the same guy would come in and he'd just run Burp Suite and Nessus. He'd just do a little scan and then he'd charge us $21,000 plus tax. Mm. Yeah. And it'd be right at the end. So that's really inconvenient. Like, right. what if you told us that earlier? And yeah. also, they wouldn't, the security team wouldn't let us share reports with each other. And what this meant was, is that, you know, let's say my project team was like, oh, we have these three problems. We couldn't go tell the other project teams, hey, you know, check out this list. Like, you know, we're doing this, we're not supposed to, we're doing that, we're not supposed to. Like, why don't you fix that 
now <laughs> before this person comes. And then, you know, we look cool. We don't have a lot of bad vulnerabilities and it's cheaper to fix it. You know, not the night before we go live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, let's fix it like while we're coding before it even goes to QA. Like what, why don't you buy me burp suite? Damn it. Like, yeah. I'll admit it. I'm the Gilligan here. I'm not a developer. Programming is not my expertise. But why is it that it seems so obvious? Of course, you should check your code before you commit and after you commit and every step in between. And why is it seemingly so challenging or difficult to implement this new process? Why? What makes it so hard? I think part of the reason is it's not taught in school. Like if you study computer science, they don't teach you that. Like I remember I had, um, so I, I'm in my 40s now, but I almost immediately moved. Like, I just, I'm an overachiever. We'll just put it like that. And so, you know, I was the boss of people, you know, 10, 20 plus years older than me when I was young. And I've just always kind of been that person that's like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I remember I got, a, you know, I started working somewhere and I had a bunch of new grads working for me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm older than them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For a change, right? And I was still like in the middle of my age, was still the middle for our team. But I was like, yes, I'm older than some of my staff. All right. Um, but I remember explaining to one of them, like, I was like, listen, I need you to check your code into the, you know, like the main branch, like every day. And he was like, you're insane. No, like I'll break shit. I'm like, you'll break way more shit if you wait six weeks. Right. That's commonplace now right that you want to do trunk based development that you want to integrate regularly right but he's just like he just kept ignoring me and he would wait you know two three weeks and he'd check in his changes and of course his code wouldn't match anyone else's code and he would just smash things and i'm like listen like you know like i know i'm when you're older than you but yeah. <laughs> like i'm the boss and also i've been working in industry for like you know like now i've, I've worked in industry like almost like this yeah, like over 22 years now. It's a yeah. while, right? Approaching and half your life, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, buddy. And, and I kept trying to like explain my reasons. Like now there's the DevOps handbook, right? So I can just be like, read this. Yeah. But that didn't exist then. Right, right. <laughs> because they're taught in school not to do that. Like in school, I learned the waterfall method. And I, I remember doing like, at, you know, one of my last dev jobs and like, oh, you know, I didn't tell the bosses and I just booked an appointment directly with my client and I was just like prototyping things and getting their approval and feedback every week. And, you know, Novel we were just approach. Yeah. We're just like hopping <laughs> along super fast. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, I built out that feature. Is this like what you were thinking? Like, you know, does this workflow, like it doesn't all work yet, but like, you know, does this look like, does this make sense to you? And they're like, oh, yeah, crap, we need this button or like we forgot we need that, et cetera. Right. As right. opposed to like, waiting a year until it's done and then sending it to them. And like the big the boss reveal. <laughs> right. It's like it's <laughs> like they've been waiting and waiting and waiting. I wonder if they're going to make. 
Yeah, but they didn't teach me that in school. And now it's like that with security where they don't teach it to you in school. And I released this blog series um, based on a talk I did. And it's like the basics of application security, like the things that I teach and that I consult on. And people have, the response has been overwhelming. I've had thousands and thousands of people read um, every single post in the 22 posts I did. People are just like, oh my gosh, why no one tell me this before? I'm like, well, it took me like, you know, a couple of years to learn all of this. And so I'm just going to give it away for free. <laughs> well, that's, I- that's uh, awfully kind of you to share those uh, years of wisdom like that. Uh, uh, but- I think there's a big vacuum out there, uh, Tanya. And I think that this industry is going so fast and continues to accelerate. And we're all so busy and we're trying to keep up. And I think what's happening is the technology is outstripping most of our abilities to keep up. And so when we find a, a, a nice fountain of knowledge, like what it sounds like your blogs are, they're going to get consumed. I'm trying for sure. I just, I just want the internet to be a place where I can go and I can buy some shoes and, you know, not <laughs> not have my identity stolen in the process. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what we all want, right? You know, as you're talking about the employee you had that just had a difficult time coming around, it just made me think of, in my mind, I'm a real visual guy, and I just see on one side a person in a sailboat that's constantly correcting. I mean, always correcting, nonstop. And then the other sailboat that points it in a direction and lets go and goes and does something else. And then a minute later comes back and says, whoa, and yanks the sail (laughs) and corrects, right? Where you have these huge uh, left-right shifts as opposed to something that's moderately straight and smooth. That's just kind of what it seems like implementing security into DevOps would enable. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And the thing is, is like this employee was really smart. It's that this is what he was trained in school and he had a degree and a master's in computer science. Tanya just has a diploma. She's just my boss. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's had like professor after professor after professor tell him this is how you do it. Yeah. 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 That's so funny. I'll tell you a quick story that's a little off topic, but it's so funny because you know, in the early days when I, I was with this company that Checkpoint acquired, it was in uh, 1998, spring of 98. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up, the bubble burst, uh, it got end of life. I actually acquired it back and I had the company. And one of the first things we did, I went into Steve DeYoung, who was my director of development. And, and I asked Steve, I said, why is it that I can walk into any building, and if they have a, and this was pre-Wi-Fi, uh, they have a, a, a RJ45 jack, and I have a cable. If I plug in, I can get a fully routable IP address on their network. And he looked mm. back at me, and he said, well, that's the way it's done. And I said, well, what, wait, what, what do you mean? He says, the RFC states... A DHCP server must respond to a discover from a host, period. Mm -hmm. So now this is a guy who, you know, worked on the original porting of bind 
to Windows back in the early 90s, right? So this guy is like TCPIP RFC purist. And so for him, there's no other way of doing it. But I, being the Gilligan I am, I'm seeing this and I'm thinking, this is my network. This is my company network. Just because you walk in, I don't want to let you get on the network. And what we ended up coming out with was what we called uh, Safety HCP. It was an acronym we had to squeeze in, Secure Addressing Foundation Extensions. And really, it's no different than when you go to a hotel room, right? And we basically put you in a network of one full mask uh, until you authenticate. But uh, the, the point of the story really is uh, you're the, when we are so disciplined on a way of seeing the world, we sometimes... Mm-hmm can't see the world the way we should see it Mm -hmm. you know we get in our own way so to speak yes 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 (laughs) (laughs) so much yes grant it's i feel like you speak my language (laughs) yeah I, i i enjoy it so let's so you talked about the things that you you, you, you've really noticed, and some of those sounded pretty serious, burying passwords and, and the like. Um, what do you think's the best approach? Let's say I'm a company. I've decided I'm, I'm going to go into the cloud in a big way. Uh, we're going to get rid of our data center. We're planning on doing this over the next, say, two, three, five years. How would you, as an advocate, as an expert, how would you approach, say, the CIO, the CISO, and what would you recommend they do before they make that move? What, how, what would you prioritize for them? I, I think, know that's a big question. Oh, no, like, this is, I, oh, I like it. <laughs> I don't want you to give away your secret sauce either, but I just, I, I think as an expert in this area, I think you really have some keen insight here. The number one thing in the cloud is knowing all the things you have so that they all follow a process. You have an efficient and effective process that covers 100% of your things. So for instance, if you're going to do DevOps, let's say you set up the system so you cannot push to prod unless you go through a pipeline, let's say. And then you can create templates in most of the clouds so that each pipeline contains a certain number of tools, period. Um, our product, a thing it does is it sees all your apps and it makes a list and then it does security things to your apps. But the point is, is that you have a complete list of every single web asset. You need to have a complete list of every single, um, server that you have, right? You need to know all the stuff that you have and you need to make sure they all follow whatever fast, lean and effective process that you have for them, right? So if developers can't go to prod unless they come out of the pipeline, and if they can only create a pipeline that has certain checks, then that means that you just made sure that all code that goes to prod has these certain checks. Yep. I mean, it's very similar. I think, again, I I can't help it. I'm kind of a visual guy, but I remember, you know, the old PERT charts and Gantt charts and a critical path, right, where this has to be the process and this has to get done in order to go to the next phase of the project. And it sounds like that's the same kind of thing, just giving no wiggle room to the process. Yes. And another thing you can do is not only infrastructure as code. So, you know, programming, 
like having scripts that build out your infrastructure, but having security as code. So for every you know, bit of infrastructure as code that you're going to release, you have it go through a pipeline and the pipeline checks that you have implemented, for instance, so I worked for Microsoft for a long time, so I'm a fan of Azure. So let's say you're using Azure and you're going to release out a bunch of infrastructure. You can have it so that it enables Security Center um, and that it, it like, or it enables, um, let's say, uh, like different security features that they have. They have so many security features. I could just go on and on. But let's say it turns on monitoring and it turns on, you know, um, threat protection or detection. Right. So you're from now on, every single thing, you know, every single um, server that we release is going to have, you know, all the ports closed. And so you can actually like, program that in and then you can have it check that it programmed it in. Yep. Right. And you can say... Um, so a thing that uh, they they built, but that has every cloud has is um, there's credential scanning software. So it will scan all the new code that you're releasing, and it'll look for, you know, oh, it looks like there's a username and password in there. That should not be in there. That should be in your secret store. So there's like, you know, protecting you from you. Yes, and actually Azure told on me to my boss when I first started there because I made a demo on purpose with a username and password specifically so I could make a video lesson of me finding it and then fixing it. But Azure found it and lost it, just lost it on me. It told it told me no, it refused to push to prod. I did all of the things <laughs> to go around it. Then it told on me to my boss, and then my boss laughed. Then it called the real Microsoft instant response team, and I was in hot water. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so and it, it was like 11 minutes before the instant response team, like me, like going through all the things. It's warning me. It's like, have you asked your mom? Because she probably thinks this is a bad idea. You should stop, Tanya. I'm like, no, no, go, 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 go. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, you know, this is where we're getting though, right? I mean, anymore, you're not sure if you're talking to someone or if it's a bot because they're getting so good. And I think there's some really effective ways that we can implement technology to actually protect us from us. This is one of okay. the themes that I actually talk about that, that we have to have in this world of APIs and one size fits all from fortune one to fortune 1 million, mm -hmm. you know, and then a minute you step over into multi-cloud hybrid of any sort where I've got blob on this side and S3 on this side, but it's really the same. That's where I think it really becomes critical to get the tools uh, and the education to make sure you do protect yourself from yourself. Yes. Well, we make mistakes because we are just humans, right? right? And it's, it's okay to make mistakes, but it's not okay to not learn from it when we do. Exactly. Right. So make a mistake exactly one time and then have a talk about it or make a game plan so that you never do it again. Yep. Like I, I worked somewhere once, uh, which will remain unnamed, but it's probably obvious. And we had this big event and we had security incidents during the event. That is life. Right. And mm -hmm. but what we did is we analyzed all of them after the event and then we made a game plan to make sure 75 percent of them could never happen again. Yep. And that's how I got permission to launch my first application security program. I showed them how much it costs to respond to the incidents and how much the program would cost. And then they looked at the numbers and were like, get started. That's a no-brainer, right? 
Yeah, it was yeah, it was yeah. amazing. Um, and yeah, so like we made this plan and we just started executing. And they're like, next time we have an event, we don't want to deal with any of these things. Some things you can't control, right? Like That's right. That's right. you can't control that people you can't say, well, no one's going to attack us anymore. But what you can say is, OK, so we're going to harden our servers. We're going to harden our apps. We're going to add, you know, protection or monitoring or this or that. But there are some problems you can actually solve. And um, yeah, so I'm, a, I'm, yeah, I love planning and then executing. It's a big, I'm a big fan of like doing a project and finishing it and then being like, yes. Well, you know, you, you, you hit on something. In fact, it was uh, uh, aligned precisely with uh, Patrick Benoit, the first guest I had in terms of your comments about knowing where everything is knowing every asset every data set knowing where it all is and having a plan for uh, that in the cloud knowing uh, the processes you're going to be implementing the controls you're going to be implementing before you get there not after you get there and you're trying to you know uh, huddle around all the cats you would not believe how many incidents that I have responded to in my life where I get there and we don't even know we owned that app or they didn't like I've been called in and they're like, OK, so our data is for sale on the dark web. <laughs> how did it get there? And it's like through an app that they weren't monitoring because they didn't know they had it or someone's been calling an API that like, you know, a developer published and just like didn't think to put it on their, you know, magical Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and like not knowing, like you can't make sure that everything goes through your security process. If you don't know all your stuff. That exactly. You yeah. And yeah. It's if you don't, if you don't know everything, how do you know everything's been secured? secured? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it is the fundamental starting point. You cannot secure that, which you don't know you have. Yes. I mean, yes. it's 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 fundamental for sure. Hundred percent. We could talk all okay. afternoon, but I, <laughs> I, 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 what I can promise you, if I may, I'm definitely going to have you back because okay. I know we could just have uh, a lot of great conversation. You've got some keen insight. And I think uh, a lot of our listeners, many of them are going to really see the value. And we're excited to uh, keep an eye on, what's the company again? Say it again. <laughs> Security Sidekick. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to be keeping a close eye as uh, you launch that new project out in the world. I'm really excited for you. And I wish you all the best. And thank you very, very much for joining us today and being my guest. Thank you so much for having me, Grant. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Talking Cloud. And I hope you have a great day. So thank you all very, very much. Thanks. Bye.